Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I have to tell you that I love to eat food. I do. I love cooking food. I love what happens in the, in the kitchen, in the dining room. I, I love sitting around a table with people and watching what unfolds during that time. I'm so grateful I grew up in a home where the table was an important part of the furniture in our house, one of the most important pieces of furniture in our house. And I'm grateful that my wife and I have set that as a high standard and goal in our home life as well as to spend a lot of time around the table as a family. Actually, it's, it's pretty cool that the table that I grew up sitting around with my family, uh, my parents passed down to us, and we have that same table in our home. So I have sat around that table a lot of times with a lot of different people, and now I find myself telling my children, hey, don't tip back in those chairs. You might break them, <laughs> just as that word was passed on to me. Actually, I should take my own advice. Uh, see, here's what happened. We spent so much time around our table, and this, this table that we have, it came with four chairs, uh, you know, the ones that actually match. And so there's five of us in our family, so I'm the guy who gets the folding chair. And we have these wooden folding chairs, not metal ones. Um, we've had them for quite a while. And so that's been my chair. And a couple of months ago, it was actually, as all this COVID stuff was, uh, was hitting, uh, we sat down for dinner one night, and uh, dinner was just, we were just getting started, and I, I heard this, and I felt this coming from underneath me in my seat, and I, I knew what was happening, and like any responsible adult, uh, instead of standing up and checking and seeing what happened, I picked up my feet to increase the pressure, and I demolished that chair. I just I rode it all the way to the ground, and I laid there on the ground with pieces of wood all around me, and I was so injured that I said to Abby, hey, quick, grab your phone, take a picture. <laughs> this is funny. And I was going to show that picture on the screen today, but I'm too embarrassed, so I'm not going to. All right. <laughs> I know, I know, I'll, I'll send it out later. All right, so here I am laying on the floor. <laughs> we spend a lot of time around our table at home. The title of our chapter this week is Loud Tables, the Power of Loud Tables. And when I first uh, saw the title of this chapter, I thought, oh man, did the author of this book walk by our house this summer as our windows were open and we were eating food and our kids are pounding on the table and yelling and screaming and singing and we're trying to eat? And I thought, man, he understands what it's like in my house. I like this guy. But what he really means in the title of this chapter, The Power of Loud Tables, is that we are created to be people who have conversations. Okay, plain and simple. And what he emphasizes is that we are created to be people who have spiritual conversations. In our book, the research actually indicates and draws some connections that 
those households who spend a lot of time together, in particular, who eat meals together, are often people and families and households who have more vibrant spiritual conversations in their homes. There's just a direct connection between the two things. But the book also, this chapter draws out some, I would say, startling and even sad statistics about the state of spiritual conversations among practicing Christians. In this chapter, the research says they interviewed practicing Christians, practicing Christians, people like you, and they said, how many spiritual conversations do you have? The book indicates that a spiritual conversation is anything. You can include just a conversation with a spouse about spiritual things. You can include time spent in a Bible study or or time just even engaging in the car on the way home about what you heard in the sermon. And what the book indicates is that among practicing Christians, practicing Christians have fewer than 10 spiritual conversations a year. That's less than one spiritual conversation a month. I don't know if that's true among the practicing Christians sitting in this room, but if the research is at all accurate, then I'm sure it's somewhat accurate in this room as well. What is a spiritual conversation? Plain and simple, it's, it's when you turn any conversation into a conversation about, I don't know, God's character, the hope we have in Him, the forgiveness we have in Him, the light that He shines into this world in the midst of darkness and chaos where we don't live in fear or worry, but in peace and hope and joy and life because of Jesus. And practicing Christians are doing that. Fewer than once a month. When I was a kid, sitting around that table, one of my favorite things to do, I I don't know how I got into this, but I was was often more of an observer of conversation in my family. Uh, I have a, a mom and a dad and a brother who's three years older than I, and my brother, he liked to talk, and I would often just sit back and observe the conversation, and After a while during dinner conversations, I would be the guy, all I would do is I would pipe up and I would say, how did we start talking about this? (laughs) And then I would force our family to backtrack our steps and be like, well, we got here because we were talking about this and we got there because we were talking about this and we got there because we were talking about this. And I loved to just think about the way that that conversation flowed from one thing to the next. But In a way, that's how conversations go, right? Natural conversations. And this is often how spiritual conversations can go and grow as well. Spiritual conversations are like that. Spiritual conversations can start small, with small things, maybe what seems like insignificant things. Our our book even calls it offering the, the light fare, like an appetizer. You just talk about something And all of a sudden, that that conversation has the power to turn into something significant. But think about the power that conversations have. After you've had an enlightening conversation with somebody, 
that shapes your way of thinking. And don't you sometimes then go to the next conversation with somebody else and you're like, I had this really interesting conversation. What do you think about this? And then, and then that conversation has the capacity to influence their conversations with, with others. And this is what we can do when we influence spiritual conversations into all conversations. But spiritual conversations can come about really in any sort of fashion. You can turn anything into a spiritual conversation. Actually, I want to demonstrate this to you in a very tangible way. Uh, it's been a long time since we have done a children's lesson around here, uh, and so long that some of you in this church have, have started coming here since we did children's lessons. And the way that we do children's lessons around here is we pass out a box, and the children put something in the box, they take it home, put something in it, and bring it back, and then usually it's Marcus or I have to improv and connect that to a spiritual conversation. Actually, you know what's kind of funny is it's been so long since we've done the box that our newest pastor, Pastor Kevin, has not had a chance to do the box. So I think we should give him a chance. Pastor Kevin, come on up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to do this three times today, Kevin. Oh, boy. And... I'm going to change it up every time. Okay. So I put, the, I put something in here. I don't know. I don't know if it's easy or hard, but here you go. Open up the box and show the people what's in it. It's a picture, I want to say, of Lake Superior uh, with some rocks on the beach, some waves crashing. Oh, thanks, man. You're welcome. Yeah. You are very did, astute. Did that you, is what it is. Did you take that picture, or uh, is this like the stock photo that comes when you buy the frame from the store? I want to say my, my wife probably took the picture, but yes, we took the picture. Okay. Where did you, where did you get this from? Like around your house? Where is, is this presented? Uh, that's in, in my office. Ah, okay. And what do you like about this photo? What do you like about it? Well... <laughs> What I, I, it's peaceful. That's what I like. Yeah, you know, what I like about it is that... You have 30 seconds left. You've got this, you got this ocean. Well, <laughs> it looks like an ocean. It's a lake, right? Lake Superior. And it keeps crashing on the beach, right? The beach, I mean, the beach doesn't move. It's little grains of sand, right? There's, there's not a whole lot going on from the beach side, but the waves, man, they just keep crashing and crashing. And they even form the beach after a while, right? Like, beaches will change because of the effect of the waves on them. And isn't that the same when it comes to us and God's word and what he's done for us? I mean, the more we hear from God, the more that he is speaking into our life, I mean, he's that, that water crashing over us. And we're just little grains of sand, but when we're in the presence of God, we find ourselves changed too, don't we? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're hired. All right. <laughs> See, I think, isn't that the way it goes, though? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that picture different. I will. I, the conversation that we just had, that, that little <laughs> bit with the pressure on you, I, I, you know, when I sit on a beach, I might now see a beach different. I might think about that. Think about the way that God's Word affects me. You guys have the capacity to do this too. I mean, this is what Jesus did all throughout his ministry. 
He'd be walking along with his disciples, and he'd say, hey, look, hey, look, the, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It seems small, insignificant, but when the kingdom of God, and, and what Jesus is saying there is me, when, when I am here, some people might think it's not all that significant, but you plant me, and I tell you what, the birds of the air will find rest in me. Hmm. The kingdom of God is like, like, a, like, a, like one piece of yeast, if you could even see that, that, that's put in a whole bunch of flour, and just, just give it time. Just give it time, and, and you will watch that whole thing rise. This is how spiritual conversations go. In the last chapter of our book, it talked a lot about this um, sacred-secular split. Those of you who have the book, it, it said a lot of us Christians in America have this really compartmentalized idea about our faith as though if we just get to church, church will take care of all of our spirituality, we can leave it in that box, and then we can do our home stuff at a different time. What we're trying to get you to see is that God is in all of life, and God is present wherever you go, bringing you life and bringing you as a source of his hope and life in this world. Small conversations can turn into large conversations. And here's the beautiful thing about our God. Our God is not just out there somewhere. Our God is personal, intimately involved in your life. Sitting around that table growing up and even around my table now, that same table, before we eat, we fold our hands, we close our eyes, we bow our heads, and we say, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Be our guest. We invite you to this crazy home. We invite you into this place where children throw their plates sometimes and scoff at the food, but would you, Jesus, be present here? We invite you into our home. We, we want you, Jesus, to affect the way that we see everything, not just some things, but everything. We want our lives to be shaped by you, Jesus. And, and Jesus steps then into our homes because this is the kind of God he is. He doesn't say to us, ooh, I don't know about your home. <laughs> you guys got to clean up a little bit. <laughs> Get your act together. Quiet down. Meditate. Be at peace. And then I will join you. No, Jesus steps in to all that mess, to all that chaos, and he says, I'm here. I love you as you are. While you are still sinners, I give up my life for you. For some of you, diving into these spiritual conversations in your families, it's something that you do a lot. For you, it's part of the deal. It, it's, it's rich custom in your homes. And for you, that's awesome, and I, and I congratulate you, and you continue to be in my prayers, and I, and I would encourage you to pay attention next week, because next week's chapter is all about opening up our doors to allow other people to participate in those rich conversations. 
But for some of you thinking about this, this is, this is new territory. You're wondering, how, how, do I, how do I step into these spiritual conversations? How do I do it? Well, you're in my prayers because I, I pray that you just start with something small. I don't know. Take out an idol, picture. <laughs> Talk about it. What do you see? What does that remind you of about God's presence in your life? I think we could all start by just simply praying that prayer too. Come Lord Jesus and be our guest. We'll welcome you into our homes. It's my reminder to you as you go today that Jesus goes with you. Jesus has come into your life. He's not asked you to clean it up. He comes into your chaos. He comes into the brokenness. He comes into the destruction. He steps into the disease and he says, I'm here. I'm here. My word is here. Do you see me? Do you see me? Let's converse together so that others may see me through you. God's peace be with you. Go in his name. Amen. Amen.